Welcome back, everyone. We are The Three Podcast. It's May 2nd when we are recording this, and it's been a couple weeks since our last episode. So, Len, what has been happening since the last time we've recorded? So, firstly, stimulus checks of $1,200 have begun to go out. The people who have already gotten it at this point are the people who had direct deposits set up with the IRS. The people who didn't have that and who are waiting for a paper check, most of them are still waiting because the paper checks have only just now started to go out. So they're starting with the lowest income brackets first and then moving up the income brackets. So the lowest income brackets get are going to be the first people to get the paper checks and then so on and so forth. In addition to that, they set up an extra $600 a week for unemployment, okay, which is intended to fill the gap because unemployment is usually about 50% of your average income. Mm-hmm. So with that extra $600 a week, they're hoping that people will actually be able to pay the bills on unemployment. This is the first that we've had this many people having to rely on the unemployment system. Right. It's not built for this many people. Right. So we've seen a lot of problems with like servers crashing and extremely long wait times just to get through to someone to be able to solve something that normally would be a pretty simple fix. Right. So there's a lot of people who haven't been getting the money that they need. And on top of that, they did put into place that self-employed people are eligible for unemployment now. But it's only recently that they even have the system in place for them to be able to apply. So these people have been waiting the eight weeks and there's a lot of people who really just need to be able to pay their bills, feed their families and survive. And it's It's a really big issue right now. So with all that going on, Pennsylvania began requiring that essential businesses require customers and employees to wear masks. And this has sparked a lot of protesting. There are protests going on, though, all around the country. There have been notably large ones in Colorado and Michigan. Mm Mm-hmm. In New York, they are starting on the downward part of their curve. Oh, good. Yep. So they believe that New York City has peaked and that now we're seeing a decline in the amount of cases and the amount of deaths. Right. That's showing and proving that social distancing, quarantining, and the CDC guidelines are actually working. Like, this this can work. Right. Like, it's showing that what, what we're doing is helping. Mm-hmm. So even though we're seeing in New York City that the deaths are going down, the cases are going down, and we're seeing that positive change from what we're doing, despite that, we're still at, as of this recording, 65,000 people have died. That is a number that is hard to even fathom. Yeah. It's ast- I mean, that's an astronomical number to wrap your head around. Yeah, because it's not just a number, it's people. Yeah, exactly. With those deaths in mind, we really need to address what Trump is doing 
as a leader and how that's affecting the United States. The things that he has been saying this week about disinfectants and injecting them into the body, it's just, wow, man. Like, that's the type of shit you expect to hear out of a tabloid. Right. Like those there's alien babies and there's all this crazy stuff. Right. It's fun. It's silly. It's not that big of a deal. Who's it really going to hurt? But then you have this statement, which this actually was said by Trump in a briefing on Thursday, April 24th, 2020. He, He said, I see the disinfectant that knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injecting inside or almost a clean a cleaning because you see it get inside the lungs and it does a tremendous number on the lungs so it would be interesting to check that first off guys it's called a vaccine that's like we already have things for this and it's like you're bringing up this disinfectant i was like what are we talking about oh no well and all the all the companies that create disinfectant i mean lysol lysol tweeted a statement As a global leader in health and hygiene products, we must be clear that under no circumstance should our disinfectant products be administered into the human body. Yep, that was tweeted on their Instagram. The piece of what they're saying that I think is really important here is they're saying as a global leader. Yep. And that's just not something we're seeing out of Trump here. No, and all the other countries in the world had looked at the United States for leadership. And they're coming out and saying they can't see the United States leading anymore because there is no leadership. There is no leadership, period. And that's a sad, that's a sad state of affairs. And I had actually read a Canadian news source called the Ottawa. Is Mm -hmm. that how that's? Yep, Ottawa. Ottawa Citizen. So it's a, it's, this is an opinion piece, but They were actually comparing and contrasting how Canada is responding to COVID-19 versus how they see and how the United States is reacting to COVID. So this article is a little older. So it's like, I think this came out in March 24th. So the numbers are slightly different because they had recorded 43,500 cases and 537 deaths. Deaths. And basically from like their point of view, like an outside source, and I'm sure there's like even more articles on this, but they like saw the United States having really no clear like national strategy as well as no federal emergency strategy as well. And that every single state is acting as their own entity, which is what actually had to happen Mm -hmm. um, to get anything done because the White House was stalling. And the and like basically the states were like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to figure this out ourselves. I mean, I think we actually talked about this in our first podcast. Yeah. Where all of us were like, what the fuck is going on? Like everyone went into a panic because there actually was nothing coming from the huge authority source. And if it was, it was just denial at that point, especially on March 24th. And then if you compare this to how Canada was actually responding, it's a country of 37 million. And on March 24th, it had 2,100 cases and only 24 deaths. And then 
you know, of course, Trudeau, their their prime minister, you know, he he's actually appearing in public or was at least appearing in public every day alone outside of his residence. And he was actually speaking sensibly with authority and without any like hyperbole. So he wasn't like going off the cuff and just making random statements about disinfectants being injected into your body, you know, because it comes down to him wanting to be respected and trusted by Canada so they can come out of the situation safely and in like and hopefully a more timely manner if we just all bunker down listen to you know their whatever their CDC version is in Canada and then of course it all has to do with leadership as well because he is so Trudeau is extremely put together and he understands the power that he holds. So he doesn't abuse that power the way that Trump right. is abusing it. Yeah. He actually understands the office that he fills. Yeah. Yeah. And Trump does not in, in no way, shape no. or form. No, he, he gra he does not grasp that. No, not at all. Like, it's not that he's like a, just a business guy doing whatever he wants in our capitalist society He's the president, the face of our country, the mm -hmm. the guy, the guy at the top. He doesn't get that. Like he doesn't understand the sway that he has. And if he does, he's doing it only for his self gain and political power. Right. He is a, he is a servant. He he yeah. that's a service position. And that I have not seen any any inkling that he grasped that. No. I, I believe he sees he sees us as a business transaction and that he owns mm -hmm. the United mm -hmm. States. Yeah. In a Washington Post article that was posted on April 24th, when they actually asked Trump about the, this disinfectant claim, he told them that he was saying that sarcastically. Uh, excuse me? Yeah. You're the president of the United States on national television speaking to a nation during a fucking pandemic. And you're talking sarcastically? Excuse me? No, 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 no. So what it all boils down to is it's not about what he's saying at all. It's about what he's doing. I'm a massage therapist and I need to be accurate and aware of what I'm saying because I'm in a position of trust and authority with my clients. Trump is in a position of trust and authority, too, except it's on a much bigger scale. He's the president of the United States. People should be able to trust him. Yep. They should be able to look to him for guidance and comfort. People trust me when I'm massaging them. And, for example, if I was massaging someone and I found a lump, if I'm not accurate and aware of what I'm saying to them when I'm talking to them about it, they could walk out of there thinking that they have cancer. I need to always have that awareness. And the president always needs to have that awareness too. Anyone in a position of trust needs to be aware of that. They need to be aware of what they're saying and how they're saying it. Yeah. The reality of this situation is I'm a massage therapist. I am not a doctor. I can't talk to my clients as if I am a doctor. And I can't say an off-the-cuff remark because my clients are trusting that I'm paying attention and that what I'm saying is accurate. 
that's the standard that I'm held to as a massage therapist. And that's the minimum standard we should be holding the president of the United States to. Well, right. It's like how you communicate that to them. And what struck me when you were talking, Lynn, when you said you're not a doctor. Nope. Trump has said those exact words in his briefings and then went on to spew ridiculousness that oh, yeah. like, we're going to have it. Well, coronavirus is just going to go away. It's going to be a miracle. I watch him in the hope that he's actually going to say something that makes sense and is useful. And personally, from what I've seen, I think Trump doesn't have the actual wherewithal to foster that kind of awareness and to consider what he's saying and what he's saying is going to impact people and what they're actually going to hear. I don't think, I don't think he has personally has that ability. Um, the other piece of this is his obsession with power and self aggrandizement. That quote of with great power comes great responsibility. I don't see that anywhere in how he presents himself and what he says, how he says things, what the man tries to communicate. He makes that all about him. It really just sounds like he's lying. Right. Because there's there's no consistency in what he says. Now, another thing is somebody else is writing that for him. When he goes mm -hmm. off script, you're actually seeing how he thinks about things. Yep. Because you can see you can see how what he says affects the people of the United yeah. States and what the people of the United States are doing. You can see that in the lack of support for New York City because Trump hates Cuomo. Cuomo literally fucking said that on Trevor Noah because mm -hmm. he has to go talk to President Trump. And thank God. I mean, I don't know anything about Cuomo's politics. I don't know if I agree with those things or not. But the one thing I do agree with is how he goes about his office because he understands the power that he actually has during this time and is actually serious about taking care of the people that he serves because he says it on Trevor Noah. There's a clip where he was like, oh, yeah, I know Trump doesn't like me, but the fact is we need to get stuff done right. because it's just what we got to do, guys. It's work now. We have right. to work and put aside our feelings, basically, because it's yeah. not about how we feel or how nope. if we like each other. Because we're in the middle of a pandemic and people's lives are at stake. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, one of the one of the things too I've I've read and it is it's it's exceptionally true that when you're faced with challenging times like this, that the people that can can truly lead show up. You actually see the leadership. Cuomo Cuomo is, is one of them. Because uh, yep. I, I mean, I, I heard a lot of, you know, trash talk about Cuomo and stuff. But um, the people that are true leaders, you, you get to see mm -hmm. who they are during times like this. Yep. And you get to see the people who are not capable of leading also. Yeah, you do. It, it really exposes, it exposes those things. They can't lie. Yeah. I look at Cuomo and I'm like, Damn, he is a badass. Yes, he is. And then I look at Trump and it's like, what in the fuck is he doing? Right. Like all those people who are like, all the people who call me a libtard or whatever name you want to call me. Snowflake. I don't 
snowflake, whatever. I really don't care. Us, the libtards, were being like, hashtag not my president. But at the same time, I was always left that door open mm-hmm. to prove me wrong. If you prove really me wrong, yeah. want me to be on your fucking side, prove me wrong then. I gave him a chance. He had his chance. He fucked it up. I don't care if you are a Trump supporter. That's fine. I don't care if you fucking like hate Trump. That's fine too. But the fact is what really matters is that we have 65,000 people dead. Yeah. And more to come. More dying every day. The numbers keep going up. And I think that that sums it up exceptionally well. Because I did the same thing in the beginning of, you know, when I saw... I saw him come out on stage and he was shook and he actually talked and made sense. And I might've even said that in the first podcast of like, mm-hmm. I had some hope. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, there it, it's gone there. It is completely gone because he did not step up. And one other piece here that I just find, I find it disgusting is because there's no leadership and people people are getting frustrated and people you know that anger is boiling up because of a perceived yeah. threat that that they're going out and protesting the the stay-at-home orders they're wanting to go get haircuts it's like cut your own fucking hair <laughs> um in michigan and i don't know if anybody ha- has seen that over the past couple yeah. of days yeah. that these militia groups showed up in tactical gear yeah. with guns. They these protesters stormed the Capitol in Michigan. That's not protesting anymore. But Trump agreed with them. He did. Uh, Trump calls protesters who carry guns into Michigan Capitol very good people and say the governor should make a deal with them. Trump egged them on. Yeah, he's egging all of these people on to be violent and rebellious mm-hmm. they're they're i mean he's he is literally using the fear that these people have yeah where they perceive yeah. a threat where there is none and agreeing with them if that isn't violent if that isn't um abusing power what the fuck is it is an abuse of power right and it is violent And just in contrast, we have Dr. Rachel Levine here in Pennsylvania who's saying that they can protest, they have that right, but more than anything else, she's concerned about their health. Yeah. And that's what a leader does. They actually are concerned Mm -hmm. and care about the people that they're leading. You can look at it this way is they're reacting, okay? You've got that fight, flight, or freeze survival mechanism that goes into that. I mean, that just kicks in because somebody perceives a threat. Yeah. And it's being it's being played. It's being used. So these people don't. Don't realize that they're reacting. OK. Yeah. So they're just going with it and it's being fueled. By the government and by the other people, you know, other other groups of people. I mean, this is like mass hysteria. I, yeah, I would say it's pretty. Cl- yeah, that that sounds about right. It's contagious. OK, yep. Now to look at the other another perspective of this, the nurses who went to Washington to protest because they don't have enough 
PPE. Yeah, the personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, gloves and masks and anything that they need to protect themselves and to protect the patients. Yeah. And they went down there to protest to get that, to get those, the needed PPE. Yeah. And they also had, I mean, they had signs of holding up the pictures of all the nurses who have died because they didn't have the protective gear. Yep. Okay. They're actually using that, that reaction. Anger, frustration, fear, whatever is is going on for them. They're using, utilizing it to make a difference. Right. They're out there fighting to save lives. Right. Because that's the point. That's the point of peaceful protesting. Because protesting isn't about saying, protesting to me isn't It's not just, about you. It's not. That's what I mean. Like protesting yeah. isn't, that's that's the misconception to me about protesting for a lot of people is that they think it's because they've been wronged. No, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Protesting is coming together for the better good of the whole. Like yeah. it's, it's outside of yourself. That's what protesting is about. That's why Martin Luther King protested. Yeah, you have to look beyond yourself. Right. And it was a change that he was probably never going to see in his lifetime, which he didn't because somebody killed him. But the fact is, it's like that type of protest, those types of um, causes, people aren't doing for themselves. No, no. They're doing it for others. And that's the biggest difference here. Yeah. Is the protesters that you're seeing, we'll use Michigan as that example, that's all about them. But the nurses and the doctors who, the doctors who stood in front of the protesters to stop them out in Colorado, that's not about them. It's it's about the job that they have to do. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so that they can do it and they can save other, they can save lives way, way different. It's like I have like a I have like a weird struggle with these protesters because to me, their actions are extremely selfish and violent. But at the same time, my biggest concern is about their safety, because the fact is they're out there not practicing social distancing, a lot of them not wearing masks. And now we're seeing spikes in southern Pennsylvania because I have a friend who is a caregiver. She just told me recently there is a spike in those cases in southern Pennsylvania, because Harrisburg, by the way, is like mid to southern. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Like the quarantines aren't put in place to suppress your your freedom. They're put in place to protect you and other people who can't protect themselves. And like you guys all heard us talk to my my boyfriend, David, on the, the last podcast. He's one of those people who don't have the immune system to protect himself they're putting his life in danger by going out and being selfish with these protests and not giving a fuck what the consequences are and i worry about those protesters now getting sick because they weren't social distancing they weren't wearing masks and i'm sure some of them because the coronavirus if you get sick can bring out underlying conditions you had no idea Mm -hmm. was even there you have no yep. idea how this virus is actually going to affect your body. And it's like, oh, my God, guys, you just you don't. Why don't you care about yourself? Like, that's 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 a big question. I mean. Why don't these people care about keeping themselves safe? You know, it, and it goes and it probably goes back to, um, you know, them seeing 
a threat where it just isn't isn't there. And it's all coming down from the top because the president agrees with them. Yeah, he approves of their action and yeah. it, it it fuels it. It 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 f- literally fuels, fuels that thought process. Mm-hmm. When we talk about coronavirus, there's a lot of talk about, well, it only affects the elderly and the immunocompromised. But it's like, you got to remember that those are real people. They're not just statistics. They're real people with faces and hopes and dreams and lives. Like, And I think people tend to forget that these are other human beings. And your boyfriend, David, was just one of those was just one of those people. And I know I think about I think about my grandparents. I even I even think about myself having asthma. I think about the fact that so many people that I know are immunocompromised or have asthma or other conditions. And I think about those people. I think that it's important to really think about the fact that those people are in our lives. Every single one of us has somebody. Yep. And when I'm thinking about who I'm protecting by wearing a mask, those are the people in my mind. Yep. And I think that taking it from that number statistic or just calling them the elderly and the immunocompromised, like taking that away and really thinking about the people as individuals, you start to realize like 65,000 people died. And of those 65,000 people, every single one of them was a person with a family and people who loved them. And that's what we should really, really think about, that these are people, not just a number. And 65,000 is an unfathomable number to think about each of those being individuals. And those individuals not just being connected to their families, but everybody else that they have ever influenced, helped, guided throughout their entire life and career. Like the we're all like that's the thing is like we're all actually interconnected. You can't you can't just snuff out 65K. Like it's it's they're not ants, they're humans, they're people. They have thoughts and feelings and emotions and family and loved ones and it's just like stop guys stop think really consider this you know so one of the things that we've experienced over the past few weeks are uh friends uh colleagues acquaintances telling us in conversation or on you know chats and such what they're experiencing. These are people who are working in uh, the healthcare or are essential workers, and they're telling us their stories. That's that's where we can actually we can see what's really going on. What's what's actually real. So that got us thinking uh, after we started getting several, you know, several stories, and we we talked with the with the people who were telling us these things. We asked them, would they be okay with us sharing their story on the podcast? And they were they were very happy to do so because one of the issues, especially for healthcare workers, is there is 
one, you got the HIPAA laws where they really can't talk about stuff. The other thing, too, is fear of them getting fired, which some actually have because they stood up and they spoke out. Um, so these folks really need to tell their story. People really need to hear these stories. Uh, so what we're doing is we're actually gathering these stories so that we can give we can give them a voice so their stories can actually be heard because this is this is this is where shit's real folks so what we want to do right now is on uh, the stories that we do have is we just want to read them and give them voice so the first one is a grocery store manager in the US for my industry in particular the biggest frustration is dealing with the public that won't follow the procedures we put in place for their own and our employees safety a lot of our employees are putting in spots they aren't used to like telling a couple that only one of them can come in the store or that they need to respect social distancing rules. And people either lie or make excuses or are rude. The employees aren't stupid and it's frustrating for a guy who's trying to do his part to get told to fuck off. My job as a manager is to keep my employees loose and happy right now. It's tough when they are dealing with so much. An employee at another grocery store about 30 minutes from where my store is died a couple days ago, and they know that. And I will say, more customers than ever have been thanking people and having supportive things to say to employees. It's almost awkward because it's tough to respond when you're only used to being bitched at. And it's awkward because I don't think I'm doing anything special. I'm allowed to just stay home. But if I do, then what happens to my employees who are making less than me? They get scared. They can't afford to stay home like I can. Like I said, my job is to manage my staff in any situation that comes up. So I'm just doing my job. Anyone would. So our next story is from uh, an ICU nurse. And this was a conversation that we had on Facebook. I had posted an article by John uh, Pavlitz. It was called Opening America as a Slap in the Face to Healthcare Workers. And her comment started out with a quote from that article. And she said, an economy is of no use to dead people. And she went on to say, there is no amount of money that can bring back a loved one. I'm in the ICU. I'm seeing the patients dying scared and alone with no family around to be there with them. I know many people who aren't actually seeing people dying are thinking that this could be a lie. Yes, the economy is suffering. Yes, we're all done with having to stay home. But more importantly, I'm fed up with having to see so many young and old people dying on a ventilator due to coronavirus. I'm incredibly sad that it's happening to so many people, and it's happening so incredibly quickly. I'm tired from having to do overtime because we have so many patients that we don't have enough staffing. I wish I could take the people who think this is a hoax with me to work and see how every single person has the coronavirus and how everyone is trying their best to survive. This is not a joke, a hoax, fake news, or whatever crap people are coming up with. This is real life and it's awful. It's such a double-edged sword for my profession. That's probably why you don't hear a lot about it. 
Hospitals aren't allowing visitors right now. So people who are doing poorly and end up dying are dying alone in the hospital. It's very, very sad. If this is a hoax, it's a very grim one indeed. And our last story is actually from a nurse. I'm an RN in the operating room. With everything going on, what we consider essential cases have been put on hold to minimize the number of patients we are needing to bring in. Because of this, when it first started, we had formed three teams, two teams to be working, one team to be on leave of absence. The two teams working would alternate two weeks on and two weeks off. That way, any exposure would hopefully be kept within a group. The team on the leave was given the idea that they were often order to be on standby when the two teams were alternating, needed time off, or if people became sick, others needed to step in to fill those spots. This sounds like a very succinct and reasonable approach, right? Well, it was for three weeks. Then they decided to bring everyone back in and no longer do teams, no longer have anyone at home or on standby. So that means that on average, an operating room that typically runs about 35 rooms on a regular basis is currently running on average of 10 rooms a day. However, they still have all of our staff coming in. So my day-to-day routine, if I'm not lucky enough to be in one of those few rooms running, consists of maybe one or two breaks. And the rest of the day is spent deep cleaning operating rooms, rooms that store equipment, hallways, and the list goes on. The thing is, they're literally having people clean and re-clean and then re-clean some more. There's only so much we can clean. During this whole thing, we are regulated to use one mask for walking in from the parking lot around the hospital, etc., and another mask for use in the OR. The mask for walking around the hospital, you get one mask for an entire week. An item that's supposed to be single use is being reused and in, for an entire week week and we are given little paper bags to keep them in the most important thing i want people to keep in mind people need to keep in mind that yes we are grateful to be working but we are not grateful that the people are so uncaring of just how much it affects us when they choose to blatantly ignore the recommendations laid out for them in refusing to stay home refusing to follow regulations they are allowing this virus to spread far more than it should I would love to be able to be home with my family. I would love for my child to get to see her family as she is growing. She's almost four months old and hasn't been able to meet her. It's okay. I said I was. I was like, it's okay. I would love to be able to be at home with my family. I would love for my child to get to see her family as she's growing. She's almost four months old and hasn't been able to meet her grandparents who live in a nursing home because of the risk to the residents there. What I most want people to know is that by simply following a few instructions, they could potentially limit this quarantine to weeks instead of months. It's okay to let that show. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Got a little emotional. (laughs) And that's okay because it should be emotional because it is emotional. This, these are these are these are real people. Yeah, that, and this is real life. Like it, this isn't a game. This isn't this isn't some some hoax. No matter like how much you you wish it might be, so, so you don't have to deal with it. 
it is real life for everybody, especially these people who are these essential workers in frontline healthcare. And they're the ones having to go to work every single day. I mean, I was, I was, um, there's nurses who are like staying in, I think they put hotels, they have hotels now for in New York City for the nurses and doctors. So they don't go home to their families and infect them. There are people with children who can't see their kids and haven't seen their kids since quarantine started. Or have family members who are sick and dying and they can't they they can't see them they can't bury them i've read articles about uh, the funeral home directors are finally coming out and talking and how they how they've had to conduct business and i mean i i i'm re- i'm reading it and just like holy shit yeah that i mean that's that's the real life of many people at this point yeah for these folks i don't want to believe this is happening or are saying that, you know, let's, you know, are wanting to have these stay-at-home orders lifted, which things are, are changing, but come on, this is going to take a while. Yeah. It's like, pay attention. Yeah. There are human lives at stake here. Yeah. And I think it's worth st- saying, too, that, like, I think we all want the same thing like we want we want this to be over but the only way it's gonna happen is if we do listen to the stay-at-home orders we do what we can to minimize it we want the same thing but we're looking at it just a little bit differently or a lot differently (laughs) it's like this is this how about for shits and giggles even how about we deal with reality mm-hmm. you know those stories we read that's reality that's reality for for these people on the front lines millions of people in our country around the world right so if you are a healthcare or essential worker and you have a story to share we want to hear from you you can private message us at the three podcast on our social media platforms such as facebook instagram or Twitter, or email us at the3podcastofficial at gmail.com. And these stories will be anonymous unless you ask us to do otherwise. And thank you to everyone working on the front lines. Yes, thank you so, so, so much. You guys are really badass, and we could not get through this without you. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you. Please stay calm. Stay home and stay safe.
Yeah, like you know, like a traffic light, which I thought was like was that's really a good cool. idea. Yeah, a traffic you know, light people idea. Have you know people have that in their head a traffic light? It, it works so well in so many scenarios yeah. from the only bedroom now to real life. <laughs> yes, only if you look at yellow <laughs> as go very very fast. <laughs> so. Who who uses that? <laughs> I mean. I mean, where your minds go is completely different from mine because I remember the stoplight song from Barney. Okay. Oh, Oh, okay. Green means go and yellow means slow and red means stop, stop, stop. (laughs) I think that's great. I think we should put that at the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God.